experiment, try, volunteer, help people out. Somebody asks you for a hand and it's doing something you've never done before, give them a hand, learn what it is that they're doing. Be bold, put yourself out there and meet as many people as you can and try to be helpful. And then over time, you'll realize that actually the things I enjoyed the most were over here or over there. And the beneficial thing is you'll probably also have an advocate as well when you get started, because it will be that person that you helped out or that you connected to somebody or you supported in some way. So to kick things off, do you mind giving us a little bit of an introduction to yourself? But uh, in, as best as you can, try and <laughs> introduce yourself without saying what you do first, and then we can talk about what you do. Interesting. Yeah. Introduce myself without saying what I do. Um, yeah. Well, I was born in um, Ilford, um, not too not too far from here, um, in the East End of well, where East End means Essex. Um, I uh, have always wanted to do something to make the world a better place. As cheesy as that might sound, um, I grew up at a time where there was apartheid in South Africa, when there were lots of different global movements where we needed to see huge change and I wanted to be part of um, drives to see that, those sorts of changes. But in parallel, I also was um, super ambitious uh, professionally. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something um, international that would take me out of Ilford so I could see the big wide world um, and, um, and hopefully something in business. So I've been hugely fortunate to be able to combine those things um, over the last uh, last couple of decades. I'm trying very hard not to say exactly what I do, <laughs> but to give you yeah. a kind of a bit of an intro, perhaps to why I do it. No, that's great. And then with what you do as well, you've got like, you've had, you've got a great uh, professional career. Uh, you've got your social enterprise, you educate Virgin Unite on the board of trustees there. You've got that, well, SEO London CEO, that right now. I don't know if I'm missing anything. <laughs> Those are the highlights. Thank yeah. you. Yes, yeah, definitely doing some, doing some amazing work. And um, it's interesting as well, because you spoke about this now, how you didn't know what you wanted to do. And um, you've somehow transitioned into the work you're doing now, which it seems like you're in a place where, you know, you're happy with what you're doing and you're working towards fulfilling your vision of making the world a better place as well. How did you go about finding out what you wanted to do? Was that something you found out young? Is it a journey you've gone on? A very unconventional route. And I would say I'm always learning about what I want to do and, and the areas where I want to focus my career. Uh, the, the general theme of wanting to give back in some way and to have purpose and um, impact in what I do. Um, in the very early stages of my career where I started out in uh, management consulting. I was working for a global firm called Accenture. Uh, I was doing that by day, but then also mentoring with organisations like Young Enterprise and the 100 Black Men of London, evenings, weekends and, and days that I could get off from work. So I've always infused those two sides of my interest throughout my career, but I'm very fortunate now to be in a role where my day job is both um, to uh, be a social entrepreneur, um, and I'd love to elaborate a little bit on what that what that means and what that looks like um, and and leading a really fantastic charity doing some amazing work um, with the uh, business world. So very much spending time with business professionals, but also completely transforming the lives and outcomes for young people who are talented, but often lack the opportunity to be able to achieve their potential. So um, to be able to bring those two aspects together in my day job is something that's happened much, much more recently. Uh, but that theme in, in terms of how I got to a point where I was able to do that, that theme has existed uh, throughout my career. Yeah, so it's very much a journey you've been on then. And then you 
doing the, the mentoring work outside of your day job at Accenture and learning over time like okay this is how I feel I'm going to make um, how I feel I'm going to be able to make the wide sweeping change that yeah. you want to make then Absolutely. Look, when I was at university, I was part of a programme called the Windsor Fellowship. Um, fantastic programme, similar in many respects to what um, SEO London does, um, really helping to develop um, young people from BAME, so Black, Asian, minority ethnic backgrounds, um, so that they could achieve career success. And so um, part of being part of that programme was that we had to give back. We had to do something um, that was uh, community related, that was charitable. And I did, I did a few things amongst which I was the uh, president of the African Caribbean um, Society at Leicester University, which is the university I was going to at the time. And um, I became really aware pretty young. So, you know, my late teens, early 20s, that you can give back at that point. So a lot of people will say, you know, at some point when I achieve lots of success in my career and I can give back to others, I can help others. But I became aware pretty early that I could have a massive impact on other people. And actually some of the mentoring I did when I was just out of university in my early twenties was so relatable to other people who looked like me, who may not have felt they could be working in a, um, you know, a global, um, a really dynamic organization in management consulting and traveling and advising and um, and being able to do some of the, the project work that I was doing. They found it really inspiring that I was just a few years down the road from them. So uh, yeah, it, one thing that always struck me was just how much you can do at any stage of your career, where you wherever you happen to be. Uh, let's take it back a little bit. So you grew up in Ilford. I East, did. East End. Yes. <laughs> I grew up in Leightonstone. Ah, okay. Just <laughs> so, uh, not too far away. Not too far at all. Uh, but growing up in Ilford, and it seems as if you had you were quite ambitious in some way. You've gone to university, you're doing uh, Windsor, Windsor Fellowship, you've yep. ended up at a global firm or whatnot. In what ways do you feel your upbringing shaped the person you've become? Were, were you ambitious? Was that sort of instilled in you from, in, within your environment? Yes and no. So um, my parents very much believed in education. So education was always an expectation and a focus that we had um, within within my home. Um, at the same time, there was some there were some difficulties at home um, when when I was growing up. My my parents had quite a um, a difficult marriage at times, and so um, there was also a lot of adversity uh, that that I faced. And I remember being in my teenage years. Uh, not being quite sure what I was going to do or even which friendship groups I was going to have. And um, I don't know if some of your younger listeners will, will, will be able to relate to this, but sometimes you're trying to figure out who you want to spend your time with at school. And there were some of the kids that studied and there were some of the kids that, let's say, didn't, <laughs> certainly didn't as much and did, yeah. did other things. And I remember actually being, um, you know, about 13, 14, trying to figure out, I knew I wanted more for myself and, and for my life. I knew I wanted to move out of home and um, perhaps move to central London, or as I said, travel and do things, but I didn't quite know how I was going to get there. And I just decided, I remember one day that I was going to spend a bit more time with the, the kids that studied and um, and see where that took me. And I definitely focused a lot more on my, my studies, threw myself into my studies and very much saw going to university and what I would do after school as being a kind of a gateway to a, to a different life. 
without knowing what that life entailed and felt that university would be part of that. Although I took a gap year before I went to university. Um, the first time around, I didn't get the grades I was I was hoping for. So I need to take what retake one of my A-levels um, and then also really kind of figure out what sorts of things I wanted to do. And then that gap year actually really helped me to get a much clearer understanding that I wanted to study um, law and economics at university. I got into the University of Leicester. Uh, I also figured out that I wanted to travel and I got onto the Windsor Fellowship. And I think that that programme for me was life changing because before university, whilst I knew I wanted to do something exciting in future, I had no idea what different career paths were out there. I didn't know anything about banking or consultancy, technology careers. Uh, you know, I'd have known what an accountant, a lawyer and a doctor were, you know, I, I knew there were jobs in offices, but I didn't really know much about what those looked like. So that programme completely opened my eyes to the different opportunities available. And also to the fact that I stood a decent chance of being able to get into one of those opportunities. So anyway, so yes, grew up in Ilford, always had a sense that I wanted to do more and be more, but um, wasn't quite sure what that would look like. I do want to get into a bit more onto some of the other work you like moving into educate and then whatnot and maybe a bit on the Windsor Fellowship as well. But I want to ask, take another question based on youth because as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking I'm drawing some parallels in my head. I don't know if they're nonsense parallels or if you would agree with them or not. Um, but I've listened to some of your stuff and I've heard you talk about how you were bullied growing up as well as a teenager. And I'm wondering whether that experience as well has played into you going into the mentoring and then ended up in the education space did that what role did that play in who you've come today as well absolutely um so uh, there were a few aspects of my upbringing um that that you do see in my work so yes i, I was bullied i was picked on um uh, much of the time because i was black and i grew up in a very white environment and um, even when i went to secondary school it's a little bit um, more diverse, but there were no um, other black kids. I mean, I think there were out of the six, 700 of the students at my school, there were maybe five black students. Wow. And I was the only black student in my year group. Um, and so it was quite an isolating experience and, and students tend to get picked on because there's something about them that is different. And certainly my, <laughs> in my case, my ethnicity was that. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I was I was bullied and I felt very isolated and very alone. And as I said, there was some, you know, difficult stuff happening at home at the same time. So it was very, um, it, it was very challenging. Um, and then also, um, you know, members of my family have had to deal with very poor mental health as well. And more recently, and certainly in the work that I've been doing with um, Educate, um, you know, there is a focus on mental health and well-being, and having open conversations about how people are doing and the adversities that the people are facing because I know what it feels like to either be having some of those adversities myself or to be supporting others who are going through that. And certainly when I was growing up, there wasn't that openness in terms of talking about those topics. So absolutely, you, you will see a lot of um, a lot of the themes or, or the experiences that I I had when I was growing up um, reflected in in my work, um, and, and and just to kind of add to that as well um, in terms of the experience of being kind of the only within my um, my school settings, sometimes high expectations were not set for me relative mm. to my peers. Um, I mean I was fortunate because I um, passed eleven plus, so I got into the grammar school. 
Um, so I was um, in a pool of students that were expected to to do pretty well, you know, who were academically able. Uh, but at the same time, there were there were some teachers who believed in me. I'm definitely not going to say it was all of the teachers that that didn't have high expectations, but there were some where you could just feel that they um, uh, they weren't expecting much of me. And actually, in primary school, um, when I passed eleven plus, I was the only student in um, my year group who passed and um there was shock i just remember when they went through the list to figure out who who had passed and um it was almost like they looked at the piece of paper and they they were like her mm. <laughs> you know there was there was shock um and i think you know it's something that i have certainly witnessed and i know that happens to a lot of um young black people which is that sometimes and as i said for me it's definitely not been all of the time but sometimes um stuff at schools just not seeing um, the academic potential for young black students um, and uh, have certain thoughts and expectations that are not the sky's the limit, if we can put it that way. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And when you talk about the academic expectations, I feel like a lot of people are gonna be able to relate to that. I remember growing up when I was in primary school, I remember, um, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I was always academically, you know, quite good in school. So. But I remember, like, when I just had a few teachers that were just a bit funny. I don't know why. Like, I, I was, I always done well. And then I remember one exam, one of these school um, class exams, and I came top of the class. And then she was, she, the way she read it out, she's like, oh, and the person I came top is Tevin. And right, then, the I'm shock. Like, oh, what, <laughs> what's this? <laughs> well, I've come top, like, just, you know, give me my plaudits or whatnot. No need for that. And then um, I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that. And also the fact that you were one of the only black people yeah. oh yes like in we've seen like quite a lot of different environments like in school in university or whatnot yes so when i went to university uh, it was for the first time there was a another black boy in my in my um group and it was the first time that there had been another black <laughs> person that i was actually studying with but you're right when i started my uh, my career at accenture actually the first project i was on i was the only black person i was also the only woman um, and there were probably about 50 or 60 consultants in that team at, at that point. Um, and then later on, um, some more women joined the project. But yeah, I'm uh, kind of being the only one is something I've experienced quite a bit in my career. Yeah, I think it's like, because a lot of people, a lot of black people can feel like the only one in, in different very different capacities. So like my school, for example, is quite multicultural. So I never felt that in school. But then when I went to college, I went to college in Essex and then you step out and then you become very acutely aware that you're one of the only ones. And then mm -hmm. maybe when you go to the professional world, not every organisation is big on diversity and inclusion. So mm -hmm. some organisations are literally not diverse whatsoever. I worked mm -hmm. somewhere where there was two black people in the whole firm. One of my friends said he's the only black person. There's probably like over a thousand people. It's just a lot of people can relate to that and you become very acutely aware when you walk into a room and you're the only one that looks like you, that talks like you, mm -hmm. that sounds like you, you become like half conscious, um, which is crazy. <laughs> it's very crazy. Uh, yeah, I've definitely felt that more at sometimes than others, um, because when you're in consulting, uh, which is a career where you get to do lots of things because you move from one project to another, um, I just mean, remember being on a project where it was very much the old school, the old boys network. Yeah. And um, so if somebody's surname was Perkins, others were calling him, all right, Perky. And um, obviously I could not, you know, refer to that person in that way. I'm using their first name, but um, everybody was really kind of this, um, 
yeah, it did not feel inclusive at all. It felt very much like I was an outsider. I was not allowed into the conversations. I wasn't regarded as a peer. And it can be really isolating. And um, fortunately, I wasn't on that project for very long. But yeah, it's it's it, it, it can be tough. And you have to be, in, in my opinion, very proactive about seeking out support networks where those support networks are not immediately apparent. I'm really um, grateful that Accenture had um, a really good African Caribbean network at the time, which allowed me to be able to connect with other black folks that were working there at the time. Um, not just within my peer groups of the early joiners or the, the people in, early in their career, but also those, you know, there were partners who used to come. Uh, so it was good to be able to see those who had made it um, to the partnership as well as every rank in between. So it was, yeah, but, it, you know, equally I was part of the women's network because there are challenges that as as um, as women, as, you know, female professionals that we face as well um, around how we're seen and female leaders and a whole raft of different things. So I had to be quite proactive. And again, doing a lot of the charity work that I was doing, a lot of the work with the different clubs and associations helped me to forge um, relationships outside of um, my projects, which was really helpful to me at the time. So within you, in your professional career, you worked at Accenture, you've worked um, a couple of roles here and there. And yep. then at some point you've made the jump from full-time in the city over to full-time social entrepreneurship. Yes. Was there a trigger that, or, some, or was it just over time through all of the outside work you're doing, you just realise, you know what, this is this is what I want to do. do. Yeah, no, great question. So um, in the meantime, I had done an MBA at INSEAD, which is a um, really sort of reputable European business school and has a bit of a culture of, um, of creating entrepreneurs because you build this amazing network of business professionals and you learn a lot about leading uh, businesses and, and developing strategy. So uh, I was, this is after the uh, crisis in 2008, I came, I did, so I did that on my MBA in 2008. And then after that, I was, um, went back to consulting. I ended up at Apple, um, obviously a technology company, but doing opening Apple online stores across um, Europe and Middle East, India, Africa. Um, and um, I just had this epiphany, really. I felt like I'd done so much in my career this point i'm just over a decade or so into my career um i've achieved a lot i've learned a lot um but i just wanted more and i wanted something that i really connected to in terms of my day job um also i mean you know surviving in the corporate space can be challenging at times and i just wanted something different for myself so um had not too much of an idea of what i wanted to do i knew i knew i knew i wanted it to be entrepreneurial i knew i wanted to try something of my own I wanted to have a go at building something from the ground up, um, which was quite bold to be, to be fair. But um, at the time, it was something I definitely wanted to try to do. So um, I, I left Apple and I grabbed a sheet of paper and sat down and thought about all of the things I was really, truly passionate about, like the things I really enjoyed. Because when you're starting a business, people always say, do something you're passionate about. And for me, most of it came back to empowering young people, like doing something that really gave completely different life chances to the next generation. Um, and also understanding the, the impact that that type of work had had on me as well. And so that led me to speaking to schools. Um, so I just went to one of my local schools. At that point, I was living in Southeast London. I went to school in um, 
I think it was in Lewisham and I met with uh, one of the staff members there, one of the pastoral staff. And I just said, look, talk to me about the things, the challenges that you have in your role. And also I had spent a lot of time with youth organisations doing really um, life-changing work. You know, as I said, Young Enterprise, 100 Men of London, um, other mentoring groups um, that I'd been affiliated with. And I just felt like there's so much out there, but how do you connect that in any meaningful way to schools? And how do you measure whether students are actually benefiting from those opportunities, not just in terms of their academic progress, but also in terms of their uh, soft skills, their mental health, their well-being. And that's where the idea for Educate was born. And uh, at, at this point, I was still thinking, oh, I want to I want to create a, a business. And then a friend of mine who was actually running a charity said, well, it sounds like your, your business will be a social enterprise. And that wasn't a a term I was familiar with, but essentially a social enterprise is a is a business, it's, a, it's an organisation, it's an endeavour, but that has at its heart a social mission and purpose. Um, and because it's not a charity, it does give you a lot more flexibility to be able to have a very strong business model and trade and create services and, and value for, for customers, but everything ties back to the mission um, at the heart of the organisation. So um, yeah, th uh, that's how I found my way into being a social entrepreneur. And um, from starting with that scrap of paper with a few notes and some ideas, um, it grew to an organisation of, I think, about 25 people um, who are working with the organisation, whether it's um, staff or, or contractors who support us, and is still going today. So it's um, it's been quite the journey. And that's the, that was the birth of Educate. Yes, yeah. exactly. So for people who don't know what Educate is, can you give a bit of a background on what it is and also what the vision was, or yep. purpose was when you founded it? Yeah, so it's um, it's gone through a few um, different stages of its of its life cycle. It's pivoted quite a bit for those um, familiar with that that term in in the startup world. Uh, but essentially, um, Educate does two things. So number one, helps schools to better understand and support the mental health and well being of their students uh, through a technology dashboard that allows them to survey students, understand how they're doing in terms of um, how they feel about themselves, their lives, their futures. And it also benchmarks each student with their peers and allows the school to evaluate, for example, how girls are feeling relative to boys, um, the challenges that different year groups are facing. And if they are benefiting from a programme like one of the programmes, the mentoring or the coaching programmes I mentioned earlier, um, allows students to be able to, uh, sorry, teachers to be able to see how students are progressing once they're in those programs. Um, so that's one side of what we do. And more recently, we focused in, focused more on um, support for the charities and social enterprises themselves. And we help them a lot with strategy and fundraising. Um, so um, we're doing an awful lot of work helping those organisations to thrive and scale their impact. Um, so that's, those are the two things that we do, helping school students through the um, online platform and then helping um, charities and social enterprises to scale their impact through um, fundraising and um, and other things. Before we started, I was talking to you about A Thousand Voices and I was like, how I had this idea for a hell of a long time. And it took for me to learn why I was procrastinating on it, procrastinating on it so much for me to finally say, okay, I'm going to start. And then it started not long after that. Yeah. And with you, it sounds like uh, you've finished the Apple 
um, you just kind of got to work. <laughs> you just put pen to paper. And I, just, and just I did. So I had thoughts. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so I had thought about doing something on my own for a while. Um, so very much like yourself, lots of thinking and hypothesizing and speaking to people. Um, but actually, when I just took the leap and and moved out of the corporate world and gave myself six months to build something, otherwise I was going to go back and, and find another role, then yeah, that's, that's when I really dug deep and um, and wanted to use that time as effectively as I could. I experimented with lots of different concepts and, and ideas. As I said, I spoke to that teacher and many others um, to try and understand what the challenges were and what the opportunities were. I built my network. And then once I saw something I thought had, uh, had legs, I, I went for it. With the social enterprise world as well, mm -hmm. most social enterprises, well, most businesses fail in general, but social enterprises in particular, 8.7% uh, fell within six years. And Educator still has been going for, what, 10 years now, actually. So it's been a while. Uh, do you feel like there's any kind of a, a, something that you guys have done different that's led you to have that lasting success? Great question. Um, honestly, pivoting. So the, um, so the fundraising and the strategy and the support for charities was not part of the original vision. Um, but as we were developing the platform, the mental health and wellbeing um, uh, analytics platform that I mentioned earlier, and working with schools, we were also working very closely with youth organisations who could go into schools and to support them to addressing to address the the challenges that they were identifying with their students. So. What that meant was that we had this fantastic database of these charities and social enterprises doing really great work, really impactful work. And they wanted to scale their impact in a number of ways, including um, attracting funds to be able to do so. So the pivoting was understanding that although we were spending much of our time over here supporting the schools, there was another opportunity awaiting us, which was that we could support those organizations. And I think just being very, very open and listening listening to the market and 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 your audience and what the needs of the audience are and whether you can meet those needs uh, was definitely something that helped us because i think if we just relied solely on the school side of things very difficult to sell to schools and it's an education is a very very competitive um business environment um so we might not still be here frankly but because we now started developing the second offer that really ended up being pivotal to our success and our longevity so i think any entrepreneurs out there um we talk about pivoting i've said that word quite a few times it's just twisting what you're doing um so that you're really tuning into where the business opportunity is and in the end that has really um been the reason that we're still going today that's great and how do you find that balance between the social impact behind the work that you're doing but also the need to have to generate some revenue. Yep. Well, for, for us, um, certainly Educate, and I'm uh, the chair of the board of Educates now. So, um, but for us, it's very much um, one in the same because what makes us different is our social impact. So we, um, for example, when we do our fundraising, we only work with um, charities or social enterprises. Um, those who work in our team understand the charity and the social enterprise very, world very well, the impact world, and we, got very good at telling the stories of organizations who do this type of work so uh, we we've just leaned into that because it is our strength so for us it's never had it's never felt like there's been um a disconnect between you know how do we generate 
income, but then how do we generate income in a way that creates social value? Because everything we're about is is about social value. Um, now it can make that more challenging to generate income, but there's never been a point where we've wanted to go down a purely commercial route because we're also committed um, to seeing positive outcomes for the young people. Um, and now more recently, the charities and the social enterprises that we support. And then, so if we take it forward a little bit now as well, so Educate is going amazingly well. And then some few years down the line, a few other opportunities have come along, uh, namely Virgin Unite and SEO London. Yes. Two major opportunities. How did they, did they come about through your network as well? Or... So, um, so first of all, Virgin Unite. Um, yes, it was somebody from my INSEAD, member of the business school that I mentioned I went to, um, to um, came along to an event and introduced me to somebody who's on the board actually at Virgin Unite at a point where they were looking to attract um, some new board members. Um, I went along and met, at, at this point I'd, I'd been on a few boards already, I'd been on the board of Generating Genius, which is a fantastic um, organisation doing similar sort of work, but in the technology space, so helping um, young people from underrepresented backgrounds get into great um, well, do well in their studies and then hopefully get into great careers in technology. And I'd also been on the board of Voice for Change England, which is an organisation that helps the the BAME voluntary sector, um, which during austerity was obviously really, really struggling. So it was so much um, important work and policy work that we were trying to influence there. So anyway, so I'd had a couple of board roles. I was looking for a new opportunity and uh, the timing was great because um, Virgin Unite were looking to bring people onto their board. And as much as, obviously it's a fantastic brand um, to, so for those who don't know, Virgin United is the charity of the Branson family and the, the Virgin brand. Uh, so, you know, globally recognizable brand, fantastic organization to be part of, um, you know, pretty well funded as well, uh, which is which is great having come from working with much smaller charities where funding was often the one of the major challenges. But I wasn't necessarily going to work for the, or, or, or support the foundation. I really wanted to to do something that I've really connected with, not just go where there was a really big name. Uh, but what really impressed me was that Virgin Unite goes about achieving social impact in a very different way. If you look at the range of different projects and initiatives that are supported, I'll give a few examples. There's the elders bringing together hugely um, successful um, uh, people in in their own in their own area, whether it's um, I mean Nelson Mandela was 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 formerly part of um, the elders, Kofi Annan. Um, Jimmy Carter, so people, statesmen who and stateswomen, of course, who've had a massive impact in their own spheres, um, and then who want to come together to fix global problems and to make a difference. And so um, Richard was part of setting this up, is very much one of that group. And I just loved that. So they look at things like conflict resolution in the Middle East and how they can really drive more meaningful conversations uh, so that we can see an actual change. Um, and then some of the other projects, uh, the environmental projects, uh, the new now, which is like, it was like the elders, but trying to find the next generation of um, social activists and, and change makers and how to support those. I just love the, the array of different projects and the type of model which is identifying these organisations and not just giving them money, but really empowering them 
and incubating them, which is a word that I was familiar with through my startup days, so that those organisations could go on to do more, to achieve more and have this uh, sort of systemic change effect. So I really liked the way that the foundation went about social change and felt that I could really connect with its work. And I'm still there just over six years later. So um, that's how I came to be on the board of Virgin Unite. But yes, my network was really instrumental in helping to introduce me to that opportunity. Uh, and then um, about two years ago, I was, I felt that I had grown Educate, but at this point it was coming up to a decade of running the organisation. I'd grown Educate as far as I could get it. I'd brought in a really great um, uh, management team who were, who were managing a lot of the day to day. And I started to think, what, what's my next challenge? What can I do um, that would really uh, be the next stage in my career, but also fulfil the, the the desires that I talked about earlier. I love working with the business work. I love I love being an entrepreneur. I love leading teams. Um, if it were possible to have an international dynamic to, or dimension to my work, that would be great. And then also, obviously, having that massive social impact. Um, and then again, through my my, my network, somebody um, who who I'd who I'd met, Gary Stewart, actually, um, who's a fantastic person, used to run Wira, which is a startup. Is that the? Is he an American guy? He is American. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Gary. I see him. Yeah, I, Gary Stewart is yeah. awesome. <laughs> and yeah, he used to run Wira, which is a startup um, accelerator and incubator in mm. in central London, um, linked with Telefonica. But anyway, mm. um, he posted on a WhatsApp. A group that there was a role going and I clicked on it had a look at it and uh, it was CEO of SEO London and I had not heard of SEO London um, at that point which is a real shame one of the reasons I wanted to come onto this podcast because I really <laughs> hope that more people hear about the amazing work that uh, that we're doing as a charity uh, but as I read the as I read the the post I was just thinking I could do that I could do that. I'd love to do that. And it just read like me in terms of what they were looking for. And so um, I reached out and a few months later, after a, quite a lengthy interview process, um, I was uh, appointed chief exec of the charity. So, yeah. Pretty cool. Two really cool stories there. On the Virgin Unite, if you're listening and you don't know, that's actually how we met uh, through the Founders Unite program. Where was it? It feels like, it was, yeah, it wasn't that long ago, yeah, 15 but, months ago. Yeah, about four months ago, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you go into either my Instagram or the Thousand Voices Instagram, you'll see a pinned post and that's me there and that's how we met actually. So really cool. And then the SEO London as well, super cool. I know a number of people, I've, I've come across people all the time in the professional world who have gone through an SEO London program and now working in the city. So I love the fact that there's that charitable and social angle behind the work. Mm -hmm. It's very practical in literally getting people into the working into the working world people who come from backgrounds who may not necessarily have that kind of exposure to that world when you spoke about earlier on where i think when you're doing your gap year just before your gap year when you didn't know what a consultant was at the time or you didn't know about an accountant or whatnot you don't know if you don't know you don't know and it's what makes what seo land is doing so good because people who may not have exposed to those kind of worlds are getting practical help and advice and practically being put into these organisations. So it's, um, it's amazing work that you and the team are doing. Well, that was beautifully articulated. So if you ever want to roll in our <laughs> PR and comms team, just let me know, uh, because that's exactly it. Um, uh, yeah, we are connecting talented young people um, who traditionally would not have access to certain careers with life-changing um, opportunities. And um, yeah, everything that you said, a lot of it is about 
I mean, we tend to say that there's three needs that we're addressing. First of all, you don't know what's out there. A bit like myself when I was when I was coming up. Um, if you know what's out there, you don't know how to um, access those careers. So, you know, how do you apply for a job as a manage, as a management consultant or an investment banker um, or a trader, you, you know, within investment banking or whatever you wouldn't, how would you even know where to start? So we help to provide those pathways and the training and then understanding that you'll, you might have to do an assessment center or case study and what do those, those types of assessment processes look like and how you can ace them. So we give all that training as well. And then finally, the piece, which is pivotal, which is, and when I, get there will they want me uh, and also will I feel accepted and I can be my authentic self and um, will they want them we provide lots of relatable role models that they can see um, and also you know what would it feel to be like when I'm working there and we talked about being the only one um, and and what that feels like when it when it doesn't go well and you feel isolated but because we now have such a fantastic network of our alumni in so many of these different firms not to mention that the firms that that partner with us tend to have a real commitment to diversity equity and inclusion a genuine commitment then our our alumni will feel much better about their careers once they join those firms because there are others who look like them because they have access to role models and also because we continue to support them throughout their career so we say once you're in seo you're in seo for life um so um they can always reach out to us we do regular alumni events and and we have lifelong learning and lots of other support we provide to those who've been through our programs so yes um we are really trying to completely change the life chances of young people who just need to have that shot, who have so much potential, so much talent, but untapped talent. And that's what we are in the business of doing. Do any examples come to mind of anyone that's gone through any one of your programs that maybe has come from a similar background to yourself or whatnot and has gone through a program and it's now ended up in a in the professional world? Oh my goodness, there are thousands yeah. of examples of those who've ended up certainly in the professional world. But um, I mean, one example I would give, and I often give because I think it's quite a, it's such a, a rich example of of the SEO London model and, and the global SEO model. I should probably um, uh, big up our US um, SEO because we actually yeah. started in the US six, a, 60 years ago this year. I read about expanding to, where, whereabouts was it? We're um, expanding to France next. That's it, yeah. So I'll mention <laughs> that in a second because that, because um, I'm actually leading that expansion because it's SEO London, which is expanding to France. But very, very quickly, just to give a history of the of the charity. So we started 60, 60 years ago in the US during the civil rights movement. Um, and by the 80s, we were doing, you know, 20 years on, um, we had moved from an after schools program which is where we started to supporting young people and getting them into their first great role, um, particularly in financial services, uh, you know, um, lots in banking, um, etc. And then um, in the early noughties, so actually in the year 2000, one of our alumni from the US came to the UK and, and set us up. So that's why we've been um, we've been going since then. So. Um, Gosh, I've lost my train of thought a oh, little bit. Oh, it was an Sorry. example of anyone that's... That was it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. So the example that I would give is um, we have a lady, Nishi Samaya, who is on our board currently, um, who actually was on was part of the very first cohort back in 2000. Um, so she was one of just seven students we had at that time. And uh, she graduated and started working at Goldman Sachs, the investment bank. 
and she's still there 20 odd years later. And she's one of the most senior, um, one of my senior partners at Goldman Sachs. Uh, she actually now has a global role. So she's moved from um, being based in the UK to being based in the, U the US. But um, until very recently, she was um, a global co-chair of growth equity within GSAM, which is global, uh, sorry, Goldman Sachs Asset Management. So she had a very, very high profile role and she's actually gone on to do an even more high profile role in the States and the US. But um, the, the point of the story is that she came through um, as part of that first cohort of just seven. Um, she has stayed in touch with us over the years. She supported us in a variety of ways. She's been on our board for nearly a decade. And Goldman Sachs um, remain one of the um, strongest supporters of what we're doing. And she's a huge advocate for us within, uh, within the organization. And so it's lovely to see her giving back to the charity um, that supported her um, early on in her career. Um, and also being that visible role model so that others can look up to her and the journey that she's had. And now to, to go to your point about um, France and what we, we're going to be doing there, we are starting with our first cohort in France and we're actually starting with a hundred students um, because we've had some funding uh, from a private equity firm called ICG um, to launch into France. So that has given us um, the ability to be able to, um, to, to launch at scale um, in France. But again, we are looking for the niches of the future within this cohort so that 10, 15, 20 years down the road, um, they are able to um, continue to support the work that we're doing um, with the generations to come. So, yeah. That's amazing work. Very, very good work. And I, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing how things develop. But sounds like good work. And like I said, I know a lot of people and come across people all the time that said, oh, they've gone through an SEO London programme. So yeah, hats off to you and the team. Thank you. I, yeah. I will just make a quick point about France because France is, um, France is bold um, in terms of our ambitions for France, because although it has a very similar history, certainly colonial history to the, the UK and the demographics of France are somewhat similar, the approaches are very different and the types of programs that we have here and opportunities that we have um, whilst we could always have more and there's so much work, more work to be done in the UK context. France, I would say, is probably, it's, it's definitely decades behind where we are in terms of progress. So the opportunity for social impact is massive and there is just so much work to be done there. And, and that is hugely fulfilling for me because we are absolutely going to change um, France and and how young um, people from diverse backgrounds see themselves and see the opportunities they can have in their lives. We saw just um, you know earlier in the in the summer the riots in France triggered by the death of see an unarmed. Um, boy from a, a North African background. And there have been tensions between communities in France for, you know, for decades and communities feeling that they are marginalised, that they don't have access to the same opportunities as others um, in France. I mean, I know these conversations happen in the US and, and the UK as well, but certainly ha having lived and worked in France as I have, I can say that those those tensions are are real and the frustrations are, are deep because there isn't even a, a, a you know a fraction of the representation that we see here for example there's a lot of work to be done so we're incredibly excited to be supporting um students in france and we, we we've tailored the approach because france operates in a different way but we'll still have a humongous impact in, in france we're very excited to get started there definitely uh, looking at you and your life and everything you've done i can see a clear thread 
behind everything that you've done for somebody else who isn't very sure about what they're passionate about and then on top of that trying to even find opportunities to push through on whatever they're passionate about uh what would you advise them how do they go about finding what they're passionate about great question another great question Tevin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> i would say um experiment try volunteer help people out somebody asks you for a hand and it's doing something you've never done before give them a hand learn what it is that they're doing you know, I've, I I help people a lot. I tend to be very busy. I know everybody's a lot, lots of people are very busy, but even if I'm not busy, I'm busy because I'm taking on more things or I'm, you know, advising people or supporting people or giving somebody a hand or seeking out opportunities to be busy through volunteering or mentoring. And all of those experiences, you will learn, you will grow. Like, yes, you're helping somebody, but you're learning a huge amount in return. So seek out opportunities, even if they're not paid opportunities, just to learn um, to build your network, to find out from people, ask people. Often if you sit down with somebody and say, I hope you don't mind me asking, Tevin, how did you get into podcasting? You know, then the person will just share a, a wealth of experience. You would just be so surprised um, just how much you can learn. So I would say be bold, put yourself out there and meet as many people as you can and try to be helpful. And then over time, you'll realize that actually the things I enjoyed the most were over here or over there. And the beneficial thing is you'll probably also have an advocate as well when you get started, because it will be that person that you helped out or that you connected to somebody or you supported in some way. So yeah, that's what I would suggest. That's good. And then finally, I've been lovely speaking with you, but alas, we've got to wrap up, wrap up at some point. So to finalizing and close things off uh what advice would you give to somebody who's wanting to drive some change in their own life in their communities in the world well i'm gonna be cheeky because i'm gonna do a little plug before i go on to um driving change which is the everything obviously everything that seo does is is completely free and um we have marketing budgets but they are limited so and um, we spend most of our funds just supporting the young people we work with so if you are listening and you know somebody who is at school so we have a schools program for 15 to 18 year olds that are just starting out at university or at some point in their university journey or even a recent graduate then please please do get in touch with us you can go to our website seo-london.org um, and we also look for mentors as well so if you're listening and you're in your career and you want to be a mentor then um, you can go to that um, seo-london.org forward slash mentoring um, and you can or you can just drop us an email and we will get in touch so we definitely want to encourage people to sign up for our programs as well as um, sign up as mentors as well um, but to your question of um, how do people drive change yeah do things you're passionate about get started as soon as you possibly can. Do not procrastinate. Um, it's so easy to say, I'll do it next year. I'll do it next year. Do it now. People have a need now, even if it's something small, even if it's just an hour a month, You can, everybody has an hour to give. And if you give an hour, and if everybody gives an hour, oh my goodness, how we could change the world. So get started soon, do something you're passionate about and be bold and fearless. And, um, and great things will, will follow. Great, that's that. You know, without looking at the clock, how, how long do you think we've been going for? 
<laughs> I'd say probably about 45 minutes, 40, oh, okay. 45 minutes. Oh, you're good, yeah. Yeah, is that about it? I can see 48. Over there. Well, there you go. Yeah, because you said like, oh, you're not sure if it's going to. I know. I did oh, tell you once I get going, yeah, yeah, Tevin. Yeah, no, it flew by. <laughs> it was good. Thank you for coming on. I loved having you on, Nathalie. It's, it's been amazing and learned so much for speaking with you. So thank you for coming on once it's again. It's been wonderful to be here. Thank you for uh, the invite. I'm going to make sure to include the Sessio London links um, in the description. If there's anything else, just send it over and I'll put that in the description when this comes out. Um, but just generally speaking, if anybody wants to keep up to date with yourself and the work that you and um, the companies you associate with are doing how can they best do so yeah so i'm on twitter um i'm not a very prolific twitter user but you can find me there at nathrich n-a-t-h-r-i-c-h or you can connect to me on linkedin i'm always happy to hear from new people great and then have you got any final words you want to say before you close up and that, it's been a real pleasure getting to know you. I just want to big you up as well because you you made a small mention of the Founders Unite um, event where we met, which was actually looking for um, the leaders and and the pioneers of the future from underrepresented backgrounds. You know, with a focus on those from Black heritage backgrounds, and you smashed it. So there were three finalists, and you were absolutely exceptional. So it was great to get to know you through that. And thank you so much for the invitation here today. It's been lovely to be part of this. Appreciate it, and thank you for coming down once again so that's that for now thank you for coming to the podcast once again if you're listening if you haven't subscribed please do subscribe and share this as far and wide as you can we're on a mission to interview 1000 black british change makers social entrepreneurs people driving change in their lives in their communities and if you can help us to share this message um it would do it would it would be very 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 much appreciated um we're working to change some perceptions and inspire some people so please do help like share tell the people you've shared to to like and share as well and then um let's get the ball rolling and get out these positive stories as far and wide as we can but that's that for now thank you for coming to the podcast again um natalie this is 1000 voices we had natalie richards on the podcast and for now people we're out